Welcome to Wood Talk, for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Welcome to Wood Talk number 303 for April 4th, 2016. On today's show, we're talking about chisel handling, lubing plunge posts, and choosing hardware. But, you know, I have to say, it's a Wood Talk first. Mark is not here. It's just Matt and I. Oh boy! So, is he okay? Uh, I think he got a worried. splinter. He had to go to the doctor because he got a splinter or or stubbed his toe or or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's very unprofessional, Mark. I'm really disappointed in you. It's been two or three hundred and three episodes, and you missed one. So I don't know that that we need to question his commitment. I think. Missing I'm, one show out of 303 is pretty bad. I'm a little worried, to be honest. I know. It's the beginning of the end. It's lacking lately. We're going to have to start looking for another Mark, because, again, we're too lazy <laughs> to change mark. the intro. You know, We had to find another Matt. Now we just got to go find another Mark. So if your name is Mark, we'll be accepting applications uh, somewhere. We just haven't figured out where yet. All right. So uh, I do want to say welcome to Wood Talk. I, I'm really excited to be playing the host role today. I don't really know what to do with myself. Um, <laughs> normally, this is where we talk about people who donated stuff, but that's all information that Mark grabs because he has the keys to that particular closet. So if you donated something, thank you. And I apologize. I don't know what your name is because Mark didn't give me the keys to that closet. I don't get that till I've been on the show for 12 years. So um, you've got that to look forward to, Matt. Soon you'll get the years. keys yeah, to that closet. I don't know long way away it's <laughs> a long way away who knows in 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 12 years podcasts well i don't know what podcasts will be in 12 years there'll be virtual reality podcasts so there'll be a virtual closet that we open anyway oh good <laughs> let's talk about woodworking huh actually before we do that it's future mark and i've come back in time to tell you about a new sponsor carnivore club carnivore club scours the country every month for the most delicious meat producers they can find they pick out the absolute best stuff that the person makes and they put that collection of premium meat into a box and ship it to your door wild boar salami spicy pork chorizo venison jerky all sorts of amazing stuff they find someone new every month so every box you receive is a totally new pile of delicious smoked or cured meats now i received my very own pack of carnivore club meat this weekend and oh man let me tell you guys about some salami they had about five different kinds all with different flavor profiles some were spicy some were mild and they even had a spreadable salami that you can use in recipes or just put it on some toast i actually shared the box with my stepdad who went to town on that salami like it was his job. Have you ever salivated while watching one of those travel food shows where you see the guy sampling all the meats in some foreign meat market? Well, that's how I felt as I was sampling the stuff in this box. I actually tried to describe the flavors to Nicole as if I were like some Food Network host and she told me to shut up and eat my meat. So there's that. Go to carnivoreclub.co, that's C-O, not .com, and sign up to get your first box for 10% off with the promo code WOODTALK. It's pretty simple. If a box of amazing meat delivered to your door once a month sounds awesome to you, it's time to join the Carnivore Club. That's carnivoreclub.co with the promo code WOODTALK, all one word, to get 10% off. Now, back to Shannon and Matt. Uh, What's on the bench? Me, I have been cutting a bunch of bridal joints. I'm at that point where I'm making a whole bunch of interior frames for this blanket chest, and I decided to ditch the mortise and tenon idea and go with bridal joints. And I'm cutting them, and it suddenly occurred to me, why don't I cut these more? Like, <laughs> I love bridal joints. They look so awesome. And, you know, maybe, the, I don't know that you can make a case that they're not as strong as mortise and tenons, um, 
because if you're like capturing the frame that you're making in a groove, they can't come apart anyway. Um, I don't know. They're I just can blow through them so much faster than the traditional mortise and tenon because there's no chopping anymore. It's all pretty much all sawing. You know, I'll bore out the the base of the female part of the bridle joint, saw it out, and the waist pops out. A little bit of pairing with the chisel, and I'm done. So I was um. I was in a groove, man. I banged out, I think, 24 bridle joints in about 45 minutes. Wow. It was awesome. It was awesome. So I don't know. I need to that's cut quick. more. Do you, do you use bridle joints much? I have never used them, to be honest. And that's what's so funny is I started thinking, like, when was the last time I did this? It's just one of those joints that doesn't seem to get a lot of play. Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to use them more, like, indoors and stuff where I actually can see them. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's such a cool contrast. It's it's ironic because in these particular frames, both frames will be captured in a groove. So I won't see them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but even better, you know, why waste a bunch of time cutting mortises and uh, just cut some bridles? And if you have a few gaps here and there around the edge, no big deal. It's going in the groove. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. It was nice to be back in the shop and actually feel productive, unlike what I've been doing for the last couple of months. <laughs> what about you? What you been up to? I just got back from Atlanta. I was at the woodworking shows as part of the video woodworker booth. That's awesome. Woodworkers. It was awesome. It was a great, great time. I met so many, so many amazing people, both other content creators and just uh, viewers. And those meet and greet situations are like the greatest situation ever because otherwise you're just kind of putting yourself out there into the world and you kind of get comments back and forth. But to actually see and meet and talk to these people that watch and follow along and know who you are, that's just the greatest feeling in the world. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Well, I, I mean, I saw several of the pictures, many of the pictures. Uh, <laughs> mostly was just fascinated by pictures of, of Izzy with that, like, enormous <laughs> Viking helmet he had on. Um, but, yeah, we did we did uh, a meetup at WIA a couple of years ago, and it was like, it was, I don't know walking out of there so like juiced up about yep. what it is we do you know like i reached people <laughs> it was cool because my wife was there i was like see, see? <laughs> people do watch people do listen it's i'm not just talking to myself those yeah. aren't just bot comments <laughs> nice yeah i'm sure that's a service out there somewhere where you can pay for, for fake comments and views so i mean how was how was the show i mean obviously you guys were pretty pretty busy meeting and greeting what was the show itself like um it was all right i I went to the one here in st paul and the one in atlanta was a lot bigger as far as uh square footage goes um i mean i personally prefer the the marketplace at wia it just seems like those that kind of stuff that they have there in the marketplace at wia is a little more up my alley right i guess like things i can't normally see like I don't want to like bash on any companies, but like, you know, like Bosch had a booth there and they had all their power tools laid out or whatever, but I could just go to the home center and look at all their tools there. <laughs> that's you know? true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I've been turned <laughs> off by that. The woodworking show is what we're talking about, folks. The branded show, the woodworking show. We have one here in Maryland usually, and I usually forget about it because it happens like the first weekend of January. And it's like, you just came out of all the Christmas madness. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a show. So I haven't been in a couple of years. And honestly, the last time I went, it was was really loud, first of all. (laughs) You couldn't hear yourself think. But it, it was the same thing. It's like, why would I go to this when there's the marketplace at Woodworking in America? And especially for a, you know, a knuckle dragging hand tool guy like myself there there really wasn't anything all that exciting um 
at as far as presenters and exhibits and things like that. I just remember the Shamwell guy was there, and I was, was like, really? "Yeah, maybe this is not the type of show that I want to be at." <laughs> but you know, I went for the same reason you went. There was a, a meetup. I, I one of the local marketing firms had given me like twelve free tickets, so I just put it out there, like, "Hey, anybody want to meet up? Let's meet at this time. Tickets are on me," you know, and that was cool. You know, the coolest part of it was going across the street to the bar and having lunch and just hanging out, you know, and it was, you know, we did like a lap around the show floor and we were done. So, yeah, I I don't know. Um, It's interesting to hear that it's different from place to place. I mean, I guess I assumed that it was um, based upon exhibitors and who shows up and what kind of square footage they have in each location. So maybe the one in Maryland is just not a it's not important i guess i don't know i don't know maybe, maybe it's changed over the years but like um veritas had a booth there so lee valley had like just like at wia they had like you, know, you can walk in all the planes and the tools are set up there just you know, just like they have at wia so that right. was cool it's always fun to check out that booth and i mean they had the they had some good speakers there as well so the guys from 360 woodworking were there chuck bender and glenn huey ron herman had a booth there and they were doing sessions throughout the day yeah, Jim Heavey was there, so you can just like walk over, sit down for a, in one of their sessions, and basically take a well, kind of. It's kind of comparable to something you would see at WIA as far as their classes go. Right. Now, I mean, can you again, based on my experience, it was so loud. Like, how do you even conduct a class? And it wasn't too it. bad. It wasn't too bad as far as as far as loudness goes. The building that I was in was like convention center, so it was pretty big. Oh. high ceilings so and they had the loudspeakers there for the actual presenters so it was it wasn't terrible you could hear what was going on just fine they had the little <clears throat> time life operator headsets <laughs> yeah with the little with the little the little foam bulb on the end and everything <laughs> nice that's cool right on so good show worth uh worth do you think you'll go back again next year or what are you guys thinking are you gonna the video woodworkers, are you going to like do the rounds and go to different shows, or are you just going to try to? I don't think we'll go to all of them. But we'll no, 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 still... no. I just mean like choose a different venue next year. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> We're hoping to make it a, at least a yearly thing because uh, I think anything more than that just kind of gets kind of a little expensive for <laughs> everyone that has to go because, yes, we uh, we all pay our own way to be there. No one paid us to be there. Right. So we, <laughs> that was our own. They didn't give us the booths. For first, the, uh, first myth the busted. Yeah. <laughs> no but one did, pays you to go to these things. I, I paid out of my own pocket just like anyone else who would have to travel there. Although I didn't have to pay to get in. That was a nice perk. Hmm. Save yeah, $10. Bucks. that, $12? <laughs> <laughs> $10 online, $12 at the door. My favorite is when you get these invites to these shows and people are like, well, you know, we can't pay you to come, but it's tax deductible. It's like, oh, so that means it's free, right? That means I don't have to pay for it up front. I love that's that excuse. A, on, on a slightly, on a, a little bit of a tangent, that's my favorite thing about being a business owner now is that people say that to me. Yes. I'm like, I don't think you understand how tax deductions work. <laughs> like, yes, I don't have to pay taxes on it, but it's not free. Yeah, it's not a tax credit, people. It's not a one-for-one switch. This might reduce my tax bill by $3. So let's let's be real. <laughs> Uh, I'm, it's fresh in my mind because I'm about to do my taxes. I put it off as long as I can because I always end up having to pay money. So why would I pay money early? There you go. All right. So let, let's talk about what's new. It was April Fool's week. Um, hopefully you caught the special uh, April Fool's edition of Wood Talk. Um, I don't think anybody got the joke that we switched mats on you, but <laughs> we did, people. There was a different mat there, just in case you hadn't figured it out. Our humor was maybe a little too subtle. 
I think one person got it. They commented on on the website, but everyone else was just like, "It's good to hear Matt again." <laughs> All right, <laughs> but obviously there was a lot of April Fool stuff. So um, my personal favorite was the artisanal toilet paper. Uh, I think this was the Downey people. And I got to say kudos to a big brand company for playing in this space. Um, You know, we've talked about artisanal firewood and artisanal jams and jellies. We've talked about all those, those, that little trend we've seen floating around on the internet. And um, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's Downey. People come out with like hand planed toilet paper and (laughs) you have to watch the video just to see the expression on a little kid's face in the background when his mom refills the toilet paper thing with like bark. (laughs) It's a great expression. The kid makes in the background. Um, the, uh, what else we got here, Matt, you take the next one. That one's fun. The Veritas hand router. Yes. This it's a precision router rotary tool and basically allows you to guide any bit through a workpiece as precisely as you need. It also has dust collection and, uh, (laughs) It's just the, add on the thing, lights. The, I thought that was funny. The thing that I love about this is like, it's not like animated or anything. They literally had to make this. Yes. So like make a fake video about it. They made a router table for this thing. <laughs> what is it? The precision. First of all, everything's precision. Precision <laughs> light pylon. Precision exactly dust extractor. Degrees, plus or minus zero. <laughs> the precision vitreous tabletop or something. That <laughs> uh, was awesome. And the expression on Vic Tesselin's face as he's turning the crank beneath yeah, yeah. the table. It's just classic. <laughs> As usual, Veritas wins the April Fool's contest uh, again. Um, although I will say, in many years in the past when they've come out with these tools, I'm like, I totally want that. This year, not so much. <laughs> I somehow don't. I, I've actually used um, a Barnes shaper, so like the, the treadle-driven shaper thing mm-hmm. um, which is basically the same thing except this is hand cranked i've used one of those treadle driven ones and it works about as poorly as you would expect it to work so i can only imagine a hand cranked one and how incredibly inefficient that would be but it's but, quiet and you can listen to your mixtape yeah yeah your uh, um horrible 80s music on cassette tape yes like where do they even find the radio with the they cassette player box. on it and you know rick astley cassette tape so i don't know i think that was probably in vic's collection had to come he looks like that. But you know, the um, the funny thing I, I thought is their sales pitch at the beginning was like, you know, routers are, are um, loud and there's so many accessories and attachments. It just gets, you know, ridiculous. And then they go on to show like 20 accessories for their... It just keeps going. Their little hand router. It was awesome. <laughs> um, on a much more understated thing, Lee Nielsen put out a photo on their Facebook page of their new jointer and it's made entirely out of Legos. So... I personally think that's cool because that could get me into like get excited about making my own tools. Because uh, per- Lego tools, yeah. Currently, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'd rather build furniture than like mess with restoring or building my own tools. But if it were Lego, I could get into that. That'd be cool. Could have all kinds of extra stuff that came <laughs> around with that. Um, did you get a chance to see this next one? The oh yes. tools one. It's incredible. Oh, oh man, the kids are gonna like this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a virtual wood turning mask and you know throw the thing on and turn wood <laughs> virtually. virtually what i find funny is if you look in the background there's somebody knitting yes <laughs> so i don't know whether axminster paid attention to the uh the the 
long-standing online battle between knitters and woodworkers. But if they didn't, so. that was just a happy accident that they had a knitter in the background. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part is the end where you, it 3D prints whatever you turned. So you have <laughs> yes. no dust, no mess. <laughs> It's, you know, I, it's like a woodworking video game. I've long said that SketchUp is the woodworking video game. So this is just the next step. You know, they talk about how virtual reality is the next step in online gaming. So, you know, why not virtual woodworking, especially if you can just print it out at the end. That's awesome. (laughs) You know, we, we've taken woodworking to the space station now. So the guys up there can do their own woodwork without clogging up the, uh, the CO2 scrubbers. It's awesome. Um, so if you came across you, the listener, you listening to this right now, if you came across any other April Fool stuff, I know there were some YouTube videos, some other things. Uh, you know, let us know. Send us a kickback. Post a comment on uh, the the page for this particular episode because there seems to be even more participation. Like every year, it gets a little bit bigger. Every year, somebody comes up with something really, really stupid or something really, really awesome. <laughs> so this is just the highlights of things. Uh, we'd love to hear what you came up with. Uh, which brings me to another point. We got a comment on the last episode. Um, I think we mentioned WIA briefly. Yeah, because registration opened. And Mark said something about will show up and stack uh, my classes. But, you know, we forgot to mention that Matt Cremona is <laughs> teaching as well. Or actually, I blame Matt. Matt should have brought it up. Well, you were so happy. And <laughs> I just want to take that away from you. Uh, I appreciate that. That was very nice. <laughs> take it away from me now. What are you teaching, Matt? I have, um, I'm doing three sessions, one a day. I'm doing one on yeah, Friday. I'm doing one on making your own lumber. And then Saturday I have one on uh, risk mitigation. So it's like super hybrid woodworking to make sure you don't make mistakes and ruin your one-of-a-kind work pieces. And the last one is going to be Sunday, and it's going to be on uh, grain selection and working with crotch figure. Nice. The yeah. risk mitigation one sounds interesting to me. I thought it was kind of a unique topic. Yeah, it really is. Kind of the whole workmanship of risk versus precision type thing and mm-hmm. mixing them. Eh, pretty cool. That's much cooler than hybrid woodworking. Whoever came up with that idea? I don't know. <laughs> Especially, could you imagine writing a book called Hybrid Woodworking? Gosh. Sounds kind of hokey. It does. <laughs> such such a marketing buzzword. Some people, I tell you. Now that, that's pretty exciting. Of course, the, the make your own lumber one, <clears throat> I... I seem to remember looking at the class schedule and that one doesn't conflict with my my class so i i hope to pop in on that one i hope you can be there right and early i'm I'm all over that i I so want to do that my biggest limitation is just i just don't have it's not that i don't have the space it's just i have neighbors too close you know i could (laughs) i could put you know like like you have a, a chainsaw mail it's not like it takes up a lot of space um, and my backyard is basically mostly mud anyway now. So Perfect. who cares if I add a bunch of sawdust that could kill the grass? You know, there's no grass to begin with. But <laughs> I somehow think my next door neighbors on, you know, directly behind me and either side of me would be a little ticked off if I spent the entire day with the chainsaw bo- blaring out there. You probably wouldn't be able to. And uh, so, you know, the next question is, of course, I could set up a pit saw. But um, then I'd have to have a friend. well why don't you make a spring pole pizza Ooh, that sounds like a bad idea (laughs) that sounds like something that i would actually do and then why did i do this and then my wife would further roll her eyes because we already have the uh, bungee lathe in the backyard so a spring pole pizza i can only imagine like i could probably take like the the one of the highest branches i have this enormous sycamore tree in my backyard that's probably 180 80 to 100 years old i'd imagine at least 
Um, so I could probably like lash something onto that and position the pit like right underneath it. And knowing me, like the branch would snap off and come crashing down on top of me. And you know, my my Instagram feed would be pictures of me in the emergency room with a pit saw like through my leg because the branch <laughs> crashed through it. So yeah. anyway, I digress. I'm looking forward to that. That should be. I don't know. You're just looking at the lineup of the classes. There's some. There are unique topics this year. A lot of people have gone kind of further down the rabbit hole if you will in very niche areas so um should be cool uh lots of lots of stuff that unfortunately conflicts with other stuff so i'm gonna have to figure out how to clone myself between now and then it will certainly be interesting um have you done any i'm not sure have you done anything in public before like this uh yeah well i mean i taught i taught uh class i've taught classes i should say um i've done plenty of presentations i've done several guilds uh i did a class at woodcraft one time i did a spring pole presentation for a wood turners guild once um and i've done lots of presenting outside of woodworking um (laughs) let's face it folks i have a degree in performance so i'm not worried of getting up and spouting off for hours and hours Um, (laughs) my my biggest fear with any of this stuff is i always like to be really like audience participation the biggest fear is I end up with a room full of people that are like scared to speak. <laughs> if, if I base my entire presentation on like audience interaction and no one says anything, it might be 15 minutes long. <laughs> and we have what? 90 minutes per class. I think. Something uh, like yeah, I think it was two hours actually. Oh, okay. 120 minutes. So I've got 15 yeah. minutes planned. We'll see how that goes. It'll be fun. How about you? Have you done this before? Heck no. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so people don't stack my class. Go to Matt's class. <laughs> you know, to give me some more anxiety while you're at it. Yeah, and if you have like a list of like heckles that you've already worked up, definitely bring them along. That write them down. Sense. You tend to forget the heckle in, in the heat of the moment, so it's important to write that stuff down. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the the next one. Did you see this, Matt? This is uh, Jeff sent us an article about transparent wood. Did not see this one. This is just weird. Um, it's a Norwegian company, I believe. They took the lignans, they extracted the lignin from the wood, which basically is what gives it its tint. Takes oh, we're like, done with um, April Fools? Oh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Was there uh, something else? I don't know. I thought that was supposed to be April Fools still. No, no. We, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is for real. I actually oh, did some digging about the Norwegian company. This could company. literally have been... Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess true. you put a, you put a separator between it. Okay, all yeah, right. There's a space between them, but you're right. This is this is for real. They removed the lignin from the wood, so all the the color, and they replaced it with some sort of polymer, Oops. and they're able to produce it in thin veneered sheets, and then they can stack them into basically whatever. So you know, I don't think it's meant to be like perfectly clear. This is not like wooden windows, although I think the Gizmodo article that had this talked about wooden windows. The I went back to the source to the silence daily science daily.com article. And I think it's more of like adding more light to your house. Uh, this would definitely fall under like green building and lead certification where you need more natural light and everything, but it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited by this idea. We can start building transparent projects <laughs> that you can stub your toe on because you didn't see it. Nice. You want to grab the next one there? I'm watching it right now. <laughs> okay then um <laughs> sorry i should say this because i dropped it in uh it's called the power eight workshop um you guys if you've ever if you remember the old shopsmith 
where it was what like the, the one tool for your shop when it turns into a lathe, turns into a table saw, turns into a bandsaw, it slices, it dices, it everything. This is like the portable battery powered shopsmith. Um, it looks like it's like a Festool sustainer, but when you open it up, like all these tools come out. And first I thought it was just like a fancy carrying case for like that. You know, you go and buy those like 18 volt tool packs where it's got like the circular saw and the drill and the sawzall and it's all in one. It looks like that, but then like the sustainer has a table like that you can snap the um, circular saw underneath and suddenly you have a table saw. It's got this like swing up arm that you can attach the cordless drill to and you have a drill press all of a sudden. It's um, it's pretty cool. Um, I think they run like $700, $600, $700. So, you know, one wonders like what's the actual quality of the tools themselves. Um, we have a couple of the DeWalt cordless uh, circular saws at the yard. They cut just fine. I mean, a lot of times the, the blade is duller than dirt and the battery is usually half drained. <laughs> so, you know, I, I end up grabbing the saw to cut some eight quarter, you know, something hard right after the battery has been drained. So I've not really had a lot of positive experience with them. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? You think this is something that uh, is going to be quality at all or is it all just flash? Uh, I don't know. I'm like looking at the the video and like the table has a lot of slop in it. Like yeah. he's drilling a hole and the table's like flexing the whole time. So I don't know how <laughs> great it is, but it certainly looks like it'd be super handy for someone doing some install work or, you know, taking their tools to some job location somewhere. Yeah. It's just a cool idea, I think. You know, so maybe, maybe somebody, if it, if is, if it is in fact kind of low quality, or, then maybe somebody who makes good quality stuff could come up with this idea. This is definitely something I could see Festool jumping on. It's very modular, you know, and it seems like Festool is really going after the kind of contractor market lately. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Somebody make, and, and I could be wrong. If anybody has personal experience with this, I'd love to hear it. Um, I don't know. There's just something very, I don't know. The colors and things like that make it look a little bit like a toy. <laughs> so, so it does make you wonder a little bit, you know, is this just kind of cheap plastic and stamped steel or is there any precision at all to it? Kind of interesting. Yeah, no, conceptually, it's pretty slick, though. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it, it the form factor is awesome. Like everything fits together. The question is, how heavy is it? You don't actually see the guy lift the whole like sustainer thing. So is that like 80 pounds? <laughs> you know? Is it really portable or do you need a, you know, a, a, a pallet jack to move it around? Um, did you see this last one? Also this reading is, it. This right is now. sent to us from a dusty Travis. <laughs> um, there's a, if anybody's heard, Apple's bought up a whole bunch of land and they're going to make a new uh, headquarters. They're calling it the spaceship. It's this very UFO looking, um, uh, artist sketch of their new headquarter campus. I think I don't know exactly where it is somewhere in California, but they haven't um, contracted with this company to make like enormous tables. Um, and it's pretty cool. I think they've ordered 500 some tables. Um, and to me, it's just exciting that a company as big as Apple is like sinking a bunch of money into, they basically have made this business. Now the small company who makes these tables is now uh, basically set for life. <laughs> Because <laughs> Apple just bought 500 tables. I wonder what the delivery time period is. Oh, I know, that's a lot. That's a lot of tables. That's yeah, a lot of wood. And they're what? 15 feet long? Nine? Remember right here. 18 feet long, 18. 4 feet wide, 660 pounds, seamless white oak. It's crazy. Wow. 
So they're basically just peeling the log and creating like a veneered, like a, a, a custom made tabletop that is uh, essentially plywood, but because they peeled it that way, it's a continuous grain thing. It's pretty awesome. This I is want one. nuts. I want one. I just got to find a place in my house where I could put a table that big. Good luck. Yeah, but you could do cool things with it. You could like slide down it, <laughs> slide down, <it. laughs> running jump and slide on it. Oh. <laughs> anyway, well, let's uh, let's take a look at some kickback. This is where people have written in and told us that we're wrong. So, I'm talking too much, Matt. You take this one. All right, it's from Derek. Just wanted to leave you some kickback on Wood Talk 299 regarding cleaning HVLP sprayers between coats. If I have an hour more between coats, I'll remove the can with the finish from the sprayer and use another can. Yes, this requires purchasing purchasing an additional can filled with a cleaner, warm water for water base, lacquer thinner for lacquer, etc. And run through, the, run through the sprayer for a few seconds. I also run the cleaner right before spraying again. I've been doing this for years and haven't had issues. Do you want to take this next little bit? Or do you want to take it? I get um, it. Well, I, I actually, before we move on, I think that's that's a good idea. I I went one step further and I bought a whole separate gun um, because, frankly, I'm afraid to mix oil based and water based. Um, I know, I know. In theory, if you clean it out properly, it's not a problem. But I so I've, I've dedicated a gun to oil based stuff and a gun to water based stuff. So um, I suppose I could take the next step and buy a separate can for each one too. <laughs> it's not a bad idea, though. I mean. You've got that separate thing there ready to go, but I don't know. I just usually keep it in the gun, and <laughs> if if it dries, no big deal. I'll just run some solvent through there. I I guess I just don't spray enough. But yeah, you you can read that last part. Why not? All right, another bit of kickback. I need to leave for Shannon. It's RPM, dude, not RPMs. You don't <laughs> say rotations per minute. You say rotation per minute. Other than that, you're great. Even <laughs> though you like to do things the hard way. Smiley face. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I say RPMs from now on. Ripums. <laughs> now that you've brought it to my attention, I will make sure they say it incorrectly. <laughs> it's kind of like all the years when uh, <clears throat> Matt Vanderlis kept being told there's no such thing as irregardless. So then he just started saying it just for the heck of <laughs> just, just, just to tick people off. You know. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's uh, switch over to our featured topic here. Uh, something that I found in the, uh, the forum response here it comes to us from... Somebody signed C. Just says C. Okay, C. Thanks. He says, I'm currently working on a his and hers double dresser made in oak with some lovely quarter sun rays on the top and drawer fronts. I keep flicking between finishing in a button shellac or in a rubbed out Danish oil. What are your thoughts? Well, let's skip to that over that real quick and move on to the second part because I forgot that that was in there. (laughs) Because <laughs> what I really want to talk about is the second part. It says, it's like, that's not what you told me we were going to talk about. Wait a minute. That's not what we're supposed to talk about. Um, <clears throat> he then goes on to say, how do you design or choose your drawer knobs or pulls? I find they can transform or ruin a piece. The piece I'm working on is mostly quarter sawn English oak with accented joinery in bog oak. I'm thinking of making the pulls in bog oak as well, but I'm not convinced what style to use. How do you choose a style or design? So what say you, Mr. Carmona? How do you feel about hardware? Hardware is a hard one because it's like it can really transform a piece into something you do or don't like. So I find my, my hardest time with any project, even with any part of the design, is just finding a piece of hardware for it. And some, 
some parts or some um, some pieces I've made, you know, four years ago, still don't have any pulls. <laughs> <laughs> in there. Totally but, you know, there. it's got the flat panel in a frame, so you just kind of grab it with your the side of your fingers. You have a little quarter inch there, and you can pull the door open, no problem. So it's kind of like, I'm kind of used to that now, so it's kind of cool. Like, you I don't need them. just post-it notes and stick them on there. And or just delete the, the masking tape attached, just wrapped around the top, you know? <laughs> yeah. Eventually, <laughs> when the tape wears out, I put fresh one on. <laughs> but I, I honestly have the hardest time picking stuff out, and I've never done my own... Um, pulls at all either wood or metal or anything i've only ever bought um like uh actually i've only bought uh, metal ones to be honest right uh well i I spent a lot of time staring at those things otherwise if it's like a if it's like a period piece i usually just go for a simple round knob yeah those things well i mean he's right they can really transform or ruin the piece and i'm kind of with you matt i i i like the mixed media approach i like having that little bit of metal in my project because it's uh i don't know it's just it's different but i have i have made wooden pulls before like my tool cabinet for instance well that's actually a good one because i had picked out this like cool arts and craft hardware from the lee valley hardware catalog it's this big kind of plate with a little cross piece cross pin that goes through and like connects the doors it's this very like asian inspired arts and craft green and green looking thing and i had bought that specifically to put on my tool tap tool cabinet like before i even built the tool cabinet i saw the hardware i was like i totally want that for a tool cabinet so i bought it and then i built the tool cabinet and i was like that looks horrible it's terrible um and i ended up uh using uh some ebony pin blanks to create just like this kind of parallelogram looking pulls um and then i mortised a hole through it and i used an old countersink bit so i still did the like the two handles with a pin that went cross through them to hold them together but I used a, a countersink bit, which I thought looked kind of cool. It's a tool cabinet, right? Why not mm-hmm. use a tool to lock it up? Uh, but that was just like a dumb accident that I came <laughs> up with it because I was fully committed to using this like fancy and, if I remember correctly, expensive piece of hardware. <laughs> and I even bought like like drop pulls for all the drawers that would match the hardware. And, of course, when I decided not to use the this plate, I realized all the pulls would look dumb. So I still have all that hardware. <laughs> It's in a Rubbermaid container somewhere in my shop. But, you know, I I, I think that it's a shame Mark's not here because I know he's shaped a lot of of wooden pulls himself. But I know he's also been in the same situation where, like, the chest of drawers sits there for three months until Mm -hmm. he figures out what what to do. Um, It seems like every time I shape a pull out of wood, it ends up looking Asian. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Like, they all have that, um, you know, the, the, what's it called? The tori, the... Japanese um uh looks like the pie symbol but it's kind of off off kilter um I think it's called the torti I don't even know what it is I think it's sacred I believe it's you. terrible I'm I'm hopefully you're not Japanese and offended by that but me, me no I'm good that that kind of swooping curve on top of the torti that is slightly asymmetrical that's immediately where I go when I shape hardware so if I look back on all the pieces where I've made pulls or I've made like a handle on a box top, they all pretty much look like the exact same form. <laughs> I seem to be stuck there. Maybe I need to force myself to do something different. Um, so, you know, I, I think C, your C, yeah, C, your, your answer is, you know, don't be afraid. Don't feel like you have to rush it, you know, um, finish the piece. In fact, finish it, like apply your finish to it um, because ultimately you're probably going to end up like screwing the hardware on anyway 
rather than like gluing it. Maybe if you mortise it, but then you'll mortise it out and the finish will be gone. But I think you really need to let it stew a little bit and figure out what was going to make the the right statement for you or make several pulls and try it out, yeah, which I think, a- you know, that answers your finishing question too. Uh, whether to use button lac or Danish oil, grab some sample boards and put some coats on and set it in front of the finished dresser and see what you think. Because they're two very different looks, you know. Um, button lac to me is going to give you a much uh, deeper amber color to it. And the Danish oil is going to be a little bit more natural. And uh, depending on what you're going for with that oak, I think it's going to totally change that. I think having multiple options is definitely very helpful, at least with me. If I really come to that point where I just don't know which what to apply for finish or for hardware, I'll just... If it's finished, I'll do a bunch of sample boards. But if it's hardware, I'll just pick out a few that I like and then actually have a lot that I didn't return, but I would return the the ones I didn't want. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I should do. <laughs> return that that piece of hardware that I bought all those years ago. You know, <laughs> I actually rely on my wife a lot for that too. She's got a really good eye for like contrast and what's too much contrast and what's not. And she really likes vintage kind of old school hardware. Um, so oftentimes the best pieces I made with like the coolest hardware statement, I, it's her, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give credit to her, but you know, so Hey, ask your wife what she Here thinks. Ask Cause, around. Cause if she's not happy with it, it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump on email. Take it away, Matt. Here we go. This is from, uh, we got Lewis. I own a DeWalt two horsepower plunge rider. And the last time I used it, it was a bit difficult to plunge. So I grabbed a can of W40 to spray and lubricate the posts on the router. And that did the trick. So here are my questions. Have you guys ever lubricated the posts on your plunge router? And what do you recommend to use as a lubricant? I've honestly never had to do this. I haven't really found that to be an issue. Um, but I probably I wouldn't use WD-40 for that since it doesn't dry. It's an oil. I would use a dry lubricant so it didn't attract dust and kind of get all mucky and and gross again. Shan, do you ever lubricate the posts on your uh, your router, your little hand router? Um, on my my precision hand crank <laughs> Veritas router. Yes. Um, <laughs> I had an old Hitachi. I want to say it was a Hitachi, um, and it was it was mounted in my table, my router table. So I never really it, it never really had to, to do a bunch of plunging it was you know plunge to set the depth and, and then you're done but it got really really sticky and there was the the hitachi like at the back of the manual like the troubleshooting stuff did recommend um taking it apart because it had this like two-part plunge post where w- one kind of telescoped inside the other so it said put and again it said use a dry lubricant they recommended a bicycle chain lubricant like the spray stuff mm-hmm. um but they actually said spray it inside the outer piece and then that slid over top um of the smaller post so it was kind of encapsulated inside there but i think a lot of the more modern plunge routers rely upon um polymers and things like um the super slick plastic and stuff for like bushings and everything that are technically self-lubricating so i don't know um I've, I've never really found the need to it, but I agree. I definitely wouldn't use WD-40 because that's going to get messy. Yeah. <laughs> really, it's going to be quickly. real messy real quick. <laughs> yeah. So go to your bike store and buy some dry lubricant. It used to be something called White Lightning, I think. Or is that Russian vodka? 
<laughs> Either way, <laughs> it'll lubricate something, and you'll be feeling good when you're done. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's Russian white lightning. All right, this next email comes to us from Jason. He says, I'm pretty new to cutting dovetails by hand. I was working on some drawers the other day, and I'm using a, f- a quarter-inch chisel to clean out the space between the pins and between the tails. I'm supporting the chisel with the side of my index finger, and as I push it into the wood, I keep getting little slices and nicks on my finger from the edges of the chisel. What do you guys do to prevent this, or is my technique wrong? You're wrong! Your technique's all wrong! Give it up! technique. Give up woodworking. Go back to knitting. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know why people put that. You know, it's like, oh, am I doing something wrong? You know, you start to doubt, but it's just like. No, you're doing something right. I mean, I have just big calluses on my hand from it. Exactly. So the, the the real thing is, is if you do it enough, you don't have to worry about it anymore because you get that callus on the inside of your finger. Um, <laughs> the shortcut to that is um, you can, and this is really common with a lot of the newer chisels. I know the Lee Nielsen's are really bad for this because there was this, there was this period of time, not so in the not so distant past where everybody decided that you can't have any flats on the side of your chisels because if you're you're dealing with dovetails and the flat won't allow you to get into that acute angle at the base of the tail. So everybody started making quote unquote dovetail chisels that had practically no flat or like no flat at all on the sides there. And that's how the blue spruce chisels have been. In fact, um, Dave Jeske, I think cuts a concavity on the sides now. So not only is it come to a point, it's an even sharper point. Um, Lee Nielsen's are certainly that way. The Veritas chisels are that way. Um, and the function is great because you can get into that acute angle, but it slices up your hand all the time. So the most drastic thing you can do is grab like a metal file and just lightly take like a pass or two over the edges. Technically you are putting a flat on there, but like, it's not that big. That's going to prevent you from getting into that inside, um, inside angle, uh, of the dovetail. If you're worried about using a file where that'll end up, you know, messing things up, grab some like high grit sandpaper, um, and just ease that edge a little bit. doesn't take much. Um, all you're trying to do is knock off that really, really sharp edge. Think of it like breaking the, the corners on, on wood. You know, you finish that project in hard maple, you get a nasty paper cut on that corner. So you come back with a little bit of sandpaper and just break that edge a little. You're doing the same thing with the chisel. Um, obviously you want to stay away from the cutting edge so that you're not, you know, rounding over the, the corners of the cutting edge. Um, but you know, so maybe, I don't know, pull back from the cutting edge, like an eighth of an inch, cause you're not going to be gripping it down there anyway. If you are, you're going to end up with a deeper cut to deal with. <laughs> so, um, but you know, I, I've done that on some of my chisels and other, my chisels, I just never really got around to doing it. And you do develop a callus eventually. <laughs> It's just not a problem. So I definitely do not think your technique is wrong. Um, you, you, anytime you're, you're pairing with the chisel, doing slicing cuts and things like that, you're going to be gripping the chisel down there. You're going to need that extra support. And um, if you're just grabbing it up by the handle, you're doing yourself a disservice. So don't think you need to change anything with your technique. Just maybe dull those corners a little bit and uh, you'll draw less blood. <laughs> the worst part is, is the blood shows up like without even knowing it. It's like, where'd that come from? And you look at your hand and like, oh, that's how that happened. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end of our emails. We don't have a third email. Should we grab a third email? No. Uh-huh. We don't need to. Again, I think we should just have silence where Mark was going to talk. <laughs> silence In- and heavy breathing. Insert Mark's talking here. <laughs> All right. Well, 
How can you support us, folks? Well, you can buy a Wood Talk t-shirt. Or you can come to Woodworking in America and hang out in Matt's class and my class. And Mark's not teaching a class, so don't hang out in his class. But follow him around and ask him questions incessantly. He likes yes, that. He, he likes loves that. that when you do that. And ask for his autograph a lot. It makes him feel good about himself. <laughs> so you can have certainly... sign that Wood Talk t-shirt. Yes, yes. Go buy the Wood Talk t-shirt first and then have him sign it. <laughs> or your boobs. One of the two. Your t-shirt or your boobs. <laughs> Um, and as, as I said before, um, Mark has the keys to the voicemail closet and to the donor donation closet. He also has keys to the iTunes closet. Well, no, he doesn't. Do we have any iTunes reviews? I didn't pull one up ahead of time, so, uh, I could go look for one right now. Go to our iTunes page and read the most recent reviews. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is they have to say about us. Um, this is going to be done, done for you live folks. This is what happened with Mark's not here. Everything goes to goes to hell you know even with matt it is great (laughs) what (laughs) i love listening to the podcast gave it five stars because it's what matt said to do i think that one's old i feel like we've read that one before that was by bacon bacon very nice very nice we appreciate that what else we got in here this uh my two go-to podcasts are this and the fine woodworking show no we're not going to read that one anymore skip what's wrong with you people (laughs) (laughs) let's not drag that anymore if you want to leave us a five star rating please do so you can do that in the iTunes store and we might read it or we might not you might say fine woodworking and we might stop reading it right away (laughs) but that's just because we like the guys at Shop Tough Live and we don't want to steal any of their thunder so anyway so Matt you know what that means you get to do the contact info let me clear my throat for this warm up stretch all that stuff Comments, questions, or topic suggestions, you have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. You can use our fancy contact form at WoodTalkShow.com slash contact. Or leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you'll find them at WoodTalkShow.com. And don't forget to check us out individually at thewoodwhisperer.com, renaissancewoodworker.com, and macromona.com. Yeah, what he Ooh. said. And go Do to woodworkinginamerica.com and register so that, that there's too. some people in our classes. Tell them, we, tell them that uh, we sent you over there. Yeah, tell them Mark sent you. <laughs> All right, folks, that'll do it for us. Thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next week. See, See ya. ya.